We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Brian, it's that time. It's time to hit the mailbag. The people want it. We're going to give it to them. And right off the bat, Anthony Solomon with the Super Chat, my guy, appreciate it very much, said the OG's in the house today. That's right. And we're going to be in the house a lot more now that it's summer break. And I can't tell you how excited I am about that. Although Vince is like, hey, I got this new thing that's going to keep me from doing a show. I got this other new thing that's going to keep me from doing a show. right? Oh, my kid's playing in a national championship. I mean, whatever. Just regional. But yeah, still, it's uh, very expensive, uh, unfortunately, (laughs) which is not the part that I like very much. I get it. Based on what I just put down for the hotel, uh, they better have really good Wi-Fi. Uh, uh, But anyway, thank you, Anthony. Really appreciate that very, very much. This Friday... By the way, just throwing it out there since we're in the mailbag. It's the Friday free for all mailbag, and I'm going to be on the show, and I'm freaking fired up about it. Fired so. up, yeah. We haven't had a chance to do a lot of these oh, together. Gosh, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay, another yeah. super chat from Raymond. Thank you very much, Raymond. Great day for our football team. What I really want to know is where you got that Irish breakdown sign behind you, Vince. I need that. Thanks, guys. I'll tell you what, Raymond. First of all, thanks for the super chat. Second of all. Uh, if you are on Twitter, go ahead and DM me, and I will shoot you the information uh, on the on the uh, the guy that did that for me. It's awesome. I'm just going to throw your Twitter handle out there, Vince, for him, yeah, just I in case. Do, it's at Coach Dario. Really simple. At Coach Dario, D E D A R I O, um, and you can DM me, and I will give you his information. He's awesome. He does all kinds of stuff. He loves doing new stuff. He did me. He did a pen one for me. He did a uh, a Notre Dame uh, leprechaun for me. They both hang in my office at school. So uh, very reasonable. And it's, I mean, just so it's such good work that he does. So thanks, Raymond. Really appreciate that. Yeah. I remember when you uh, called me to tell me you wanted to bring that over. You're like, I got something I got to show you. <laughs> so and you excited. showed it to me. And I was like, I was, it was like really cool. But I was like, wait a minute. This isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's for me. <laughs> Selfish son of a. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, oh, it's great. So yeah, it was a good one. Very good one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get get back up here. We got one more uh, super chat here. Okay, cool. I'm I'm still thinking through what my answer to that one would be yet because I haven't done the comp yet. So it's a question about comp from Zach. So I'll get to that one. I'm thinking about that one. So when I'm ready to to answer that one, I'll bring it up. Fair enough. Stevie Wonder says, uh, Dylan has been killing it in recruiting slash coaching. No doubt about that, Brian. Yeah. I, I mean, look, sometimes guys come to a school with a big reputation and they don't pan out, or some guys come to a school and you don't know what the heck they're going to do, and they, they end up doing great. They don't do anything, and then vice versa. A guy comes with a great reputation, doesn't do a good job. Sure. And when you, when you talk about Dylan McCullough, this is what you hoped you would be getting when they got him. This is why it was a big pickup. You're talking about a guy that did a phenomenal job at Indiana for years, just mm-hmm. produced a thousand yard backs like every year, turned guys that no one ever heard of into NFL draft picks, you know, and then he goes to USC, works with Ronald Jones, does a great job there, leaves USC to go to the, the Chiefs, wins a Super Bowl, <laughs> and then goes back to Indiana. And Notre Dame's able to get him as part of Marcus Freeman's first staff. And you're like, this is what you hoped you would get. And I honestly thought he was leaving after this year. I did. I heard, I had so many different people telling me that he's going to the NFL, going to the NFL. And I had a a conversation with, I mean, to the point where I just assumed it was going to happen. And I (laughs) might've even talked about that on the show. I just assumed it was going to happen. I know you and I talked about this and I had a conversation with somebody at Notre Dame and I was like, so yeah, it looks like Dylan's going to leave, huh? And he was like, (laughs) you know, that's what I thought too. There's been a lot of NFL teams that have come calling for him and he keeps telling them all the same thing. I'm not going anywhere. I like it here. I don't know how long that's going to last, right. but I'll just say this. Dylan McCullough turned down a lot of NFL jobs this offseason to stay at Notre Dame and work with these kids and recruit these kids. Awesome. And and honestly, had reasons to leave. He's going to have two kids at Oklahoma next year. He could have gone back to the Chiefs and replaced Eric Bieniemy, and, you know, be the new art running backs coach. And he's closer to his kids or something because you know, he's very much about the kids, right? I mean, oh, his, yeah. He's a big time into his kids' lives, and he's a very active dad. And if you know his backstory, you understand why he puts so much value on being a present father, you know? And so uh, so that's a really cool part of it. But he's staying, and he's got one more young, much younger child compared to the others. So he's staying Notre Dame, and he is – I mean, he's recruiting like a guy that that isn't going anywhere to Vince. I mean, when you look at the job he's done – because he's actually landed four kids at Notre Dame. Because a lot of times we forget he brought Jabron Payne with him 
which is sometimes oh, I forget because right. that class technically wasn't like you, you already had Jadarian Price and he didn't recruit Jadarian. It was that that it was the it was that Brian Kelly Marcus Freeman combo class. And then, of course, when Dillon comes from Indiana, he had landed Jabron Payne at Indiana, and then Jabron uh, got out of his letter of intent and ends up coming to Notre Dame. And so he, you get him to go with Jadarian Price. That's turned out to be an important pickup now with Jadarian's injury and and Logan Diggs leaving. Now, all of a sudden, that Jabron Payne pickup, which was questionable simply from the standpoint of Jabron's injuries. He had been injured basically the two previous years, so there was a little bit of an unknown, but the talent was there. But, you know, you look at it, Vince, and, I mean, just the job he's done, you get Aeneas Williams, and then, look, to convince a top 100 caliber back to come to a school that's loaded like Notre Dame's running back depth chart is, and you've already got a four-star kid in the class, that's impressive work, really impressive work. And then he basically landed his number one back in this year's class at all purpose, this number one pure runner, and then he lands a guy last year in Jeremiah Love that right. a big part of the reason Notre Dame got Jeremiah last year was because of Dylan McCullough getting on him before a lot of the other big schools have it. I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story. I think I can share the story now. I like stories. So basically, a scenario was created in which the Love family was trying to really find out if, if Dylan McCullough, they put a lot of value in honesty and integrity, mm-hmm. and they knew that they were just getting a lot of BS from a lot of coaches. So they were trying to do some things and ask some questions to try to find out if if coaches are being honest. So the Love family knew another kid that was being recruited by Notre Dame. And they knew what Dylan McCullough had told that kid. And so they kind of asked him during a visit. So what are your thoughts on this, this, or this? And he gave the same exact answer to the Love family about that kid that he gave to that kid's family. And, and same thing about Jeremiah. And they were like, the fact that he was not he he was honest with both of us because most coaches will tell you what you want to hear and then tell sure. you what you want to hear. And the fact that Dylan was honest with both of them and, and about the other and about that kid and about the other thing meant so much to the Love family. Interesting. It's like this guy's legit. This guy's going to tell us the truth. This guy's honest. This guy's mm-hmm. integrity. This kid cares about my son. All that stuff tracked, and that's really. The track record speaks for itself from a coaching standpoint, but it's the guy. It's the work ethic. It's the work he puts into it. It's the relationships he builds. He's almost like an O-line coach in a lot of ways, the way he builds relationships with kids. he, You know who he reminds me a lot of is is Tony Alford. I mean, Mm. that's what made Tony so successful. His kids just loved the guy. Yeah, And you're seeing that with Dylan, but he doesn't do it in a way that's like, phony hey i'm your buddy it's still very much a a father figure ish not that he's trying to be a father figure because a lot of these kids have fathers you know what i mean but more of a when you come here that's the role i'm going to fill i'm not your friend i'm not your buddy Mm -hmm. i'm your coach and and but yet it's still that connection that bond you know he has your back and then of course the the he has a plan for how he's going to make you the best player you can be and he sells it, and it doesn't hurt that he walks in the, and he goes like this, and he's got this big giant Super Bowl ring on his finger. Yeah, that, that doesn't know, hurt with the Chiefs. That doesn't hurt either. Does not hurt. So he's really just done a great job. Yeah. And, and and running back recruiting was going well under Lance Taylor, and he's taken it to a whole nother level, man. Yeah. He really has. And uh, 
And the other thing I like too, Vince, is, is he's focusing a lot on diverse skills. Not it's not a bunch of cookie cutter backs. Right. They complement each other. All three of them. Yeah. Of, they really of the last two year classes. And that yeah. and that goes along with what he said when he first walked in the door. He's like, I've got eight starting positions in the running back room. He's like, it could be the same guy for all eight. It could be this, that, or could you know whatever. He looks for guys that are going to complement what he needs to get done. He doesn't want the same guy recreated and everybody that's in the room. That's not what he even wants. And so I like that he's actually following through with that and he's recruiting that way as well. So I, again, man of his word, right? I mean, he's, he basically said, this is what I'm looking for and what he has brought to the table in recruiting shows it. Yeah. So Dylan McCullough is really just, I mean, Vince, uh, he, he's <laughs> aced it so far. It's going to be, and I look, I know he's not going to stay and be a running backs coach forever. I get that. Because he said it. I mean, he's been honest. Right. He told Marcus Freeman when he got hired, I want to be a head coach. Right. It's going to be a be sad day when he leaves. That's all I'll say. I'll yeah. be happy for him and his career aspirations and all of that. But, but the key be, is what? Yeah. Leave the room in a place where every running back coach in America is going to want to be pounding on the door wanting to come coach those kids. And that's what right. he's doing. That's what – that's look, I don't have a problem with coaches wanting to leave. They, no, me either. At the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you and your family, just like players do, just like everybody else does. All I ask is do it the right way and do it with right. integrity. Yep. You know, and, and Dylan McCullough has said, I want to be head coach. He's been very honest. He was honest with Marcus Freeman during the interview process. He's been honest mm-hmm. since he's been here. And, and so I, I'm, I, I kind of understand why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job. It's just a different conversation for a different day. And it's a lot of different factors that goes into it. But you're just like, man, if, if you all understand what makes a head, what, what, what the value of a head coach, teams should be looking at this guy. Mm-hmm. And if, if, I mean, if Lance Taylor can get a head coaching job at a Western Michigan, I got to think somebody's going to be smart enough to hire Dylan McCullough in the next couple of years. But the key is, did you leave the room better than you found it? Right. Did you leave the room in a position to where when you leave, the coach is going to have something really impressive to sell to the guy I'm going to hire to replace you? And Dylan McCullough is absolutely doing that. It, oh, whoever's going to replace yes. him is going to get a well-coached, very talented, deep room. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. And he's gonna he's gonna make that job incredibly attractive, mm-hmm. a cr- incredibly attractive move forward. And the success he had getting a Jeremiah Love, getting if you don't get sure. Jabron Payne in in the twenty two class, do you are you able to move Chris Tyree to receiver? I don't think right. you are. Agreed. I don't know that you are. If you don't get a player like Jeremiah Love, who's a high level, could help you as a freshman running back in the twenty three class. Are you able to move Chris Tyree to running back without getting a couple transfers, especially now that Logan Diggs is gone? Right. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. And so it's not just impacting the running back room, the job right. he's done. Right. So I uh, – and it says a lot that Jabron was just – as soon as he left, immediately I'm in the portal, you know, or I mean I'm getting out of my NIL because he wasn't going to Indiana for Indiana. He was going to Indiana for Dean McCullough. I mean, that's just the reality of it, Vince. Right. And 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 then came to Notre Dame. And he's thriving, and Jabron's doing yep. well. He's doing well. So, yeah, good good question. So, I think we kind of we kind of <laughs> knocked out the Dylan McCullough part of this, I agree. this conversation. I agree. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, question from John. He says, what is the ideal amount of carries for a bell cow back in today's game, and does Young fit that mold? You know, it's funny, John. Uh, and I don't know if John is a premium subscriber on the message board or not. I think he you, is, yes. As I say, you actually put uh, – somebody asked this exact question on the message board. Not about him, but in, in, but yes, in, in general, general about, about the current roster. A, correct. Yeah. And about 
you know, what does a bell cow back essentially like? What what what's the carry breakdown going to be? And I thought your answer was really good. Uh, I'll let you say it. I want to steal your thunder, but I, I don't remember exactly what I said. But basically, when so I looked 350 at three fifty was the overall, and then you well, kind of broke I took it down. the average of where they've been the last five years. Okay, like there were some years they were like this year they're like four thirty. This is just carries for the running backs, not overall carries. Just carries for the running backs. Gotcha. And I think I had Audric at like two twenty to two twenty five. Yeah. I think. And uh, that was uh, – I'm trying to think of what that percentage was, Vince. I mean, that's under 20 a game, right? I mean, 220 divided by 13, and that's over the course of an entire season, you know, 12 games plus a bowl game is what right. that includes. That's 17 carries a game. Then you're going to get, you know, two, three receptions a game. So the, you're about 20 touches a game sure. is essentially where you're going to be as a bell cow back. Which means what? Some games, when you play Ohio State, you're at 25. When you play, you know, USC, you might be at 25, 27. But when you play Navy, you're at 15. When you play Tennessee State, you're at 12. Right. When you're Central Michigan, you're at 15. So it balances out to about 20 a game. And so that's kind of how I see it. And then, of course, the next 125, 130 are kind of split up between the next two backs. I kind of looked at it as like a 2-3 type of thing that gets you know probably what what's 220 what's 220 out of 350 Vince what's that percentage that is about 63%. So you got about 37%. Did I say 63? Make yeah. sure I'm doing the math here, right? If I said 62 and then 37 you're like, "Oh, you're missing a percentage there, numb nuts." <laughs> uh so about 30 37%. Uh, you know, your your top two backs are going to get about like 30 of that. And then you hope that your backups and your your you know your, your younger guys can get yeah. some mop up touches as well, and then part of that just depends on is there a guy that establishes himself as number two, right or not? I think this year it's going to be more of a two three, where the two guys are going to split those carries. You know you're going to see whether it's Jeremiah Love, whether it's Jerry Price, Jabron Payne, or Devin Ford. I think it's going to be more of a split situation, whereas last year was like one. And two, it's like one A, one B, and then three. Yeah. With Tyree. Uh, because everybody talks about like the 165 carries you got to replace with Logan Diggs. Well, you also have a hundred carries from Chris Tyree that have to get replaced. Mm-hmm. And so uh you, you fact now some of that'll still be Chris Tyree, jet sweeps and stuff like that. But the other part, I mean, that's got to get replaced by some of it. Audric's gonna take maybe half of Logan's carries. But you still have all of the other half of Logan's carries plus the 100 from Chris Tyree that have to get split up between the other backs. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities uh, for Notre Dame's for Notre Dame's, uh, running other running backs this year, especially if they're able to get a couple big wins early, which hopefully they'll be able to do, Vince. You're right. Absolutely. So it's a very good question, John. I wish I knew what thread that was asked in. I can't remember what I know. Was I just read it the other day. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. So, I mean, it's a fairly recent thread. But, yeah. Yeah. All right, here's another one. Bailey Brad says, uh, how much weight do you put on the recruits offer list when evaluating a player? Bradley Shaw from Alabama, for example, has an offer from 13 out of 14 SEC schools. Well, it's it depends, Bradley. Uh, Bailey Brad, first of all, you'd be foolish to ignore an offer list. You also are foolish to overemphasize an offer list for a couple of reasons. Number one is you don't know why a kid was being offered by certain schools. If a kid gets offered from Bama, let's say, and Bama's looking at him, let's say he has a 
this is just in general. It doesn't even have to be about 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 Bradley Shaw. Um, um, it, it, are they recruiting him because he's got a really talented 2025 teammate that they want? Uh, or do they need depth at the position? You know, is he not being recruited to be the dude, but more for depth? You don't know the answer. Is he even, does he even have a committable offer? I mean, Alabama offers a lot of kids. Way more than Notre Dame does. Usually, yeah. Yeah. And, but the, most of those kids don't have offers. I mean, don't have committable offers. And, and so you, you have to, you have to be able to look at it, Vince, with, with a, the proper context, in my opinion, and be able to say, hey, what 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 are what's the level of interest there is he a, is he a top priority is he a we're we're on the board because if we miss out on our our you know first three guys will go to him and if you don't have that context you can't properly understand an offer list right in one way or the other and so uh that's the thing the other part of it too vince and i know that you agree with me on this it it varies by position mm-hmm if a Midwestern offensive lineman does not have an offer from Iowa, I hmm, I got to question that. If you're an Illinois offensive lineman and you have an offer from Iowa, it's not going to be an end-all, be-all for me, but it's going to make me ask questions. If you're a Midwestern offensive lineman and Iowa wants you bad, that says a lot more for me than if you have a Michigan State offer, a Penn State offer, and until Sharon Moore showed up, a Michigan offer. Right. And so you have to be able to look at that, too. There was a time when if a kid had a Wisconsin, if a kid was from Illinois and he had an offer from Wisconsin and Iowa, you're like, yeah, he's probably pretty good. Right. Don't even have to see the film. He's probably pretty good. I think Notre Dame became one of those schools, which is why you would see kids offer list blow up when Harry Heastan would offer them. You know right. what I mean? It's like well, all of a sudden, like everybody and their mother's offering. Sure. And I, and I think you, you always told me, like when we, we would always have the star talk, right? When, whether it was mm-hmm. in a chat or whatever, we would always talk about stars. And you're like, oh, you know what? You know, stars are whatever. They, they are what they are. You know, you can, you can glean more out of the offer list than I think you can the star list. But with, the, with everything that you just said, I think is very important, but looking at an offer list, I think also tells a little bit more of the tale, uh, especially with some of the, like the offensive line position and things of that nature. Just like you said, I think that, that is, that is somewhat of a key is like, what are the offers? You know, just because it's 13 out of 14 SEC schools. Okay. That's one thing, but what are the offers, you know, and all of those different things. I, I like looking at an offer list. I do uh, even more so than stars, but you also have to be careful. Right. It, you it, you know what it is, Vince. If I could, if I could, because I go on tangents and rants about a lot of this stuff from time to time. If I could give people advice on how to properly view these things, uh, stop looking at offer lists as the end all be all. Stop looking at star rankings as the end all be all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, they're all valuable resources if you're willing and sure. able to look at them in the proper context. That's always my point. I, if I thought stars were stupid and should never be used to evaluate recruits, then guess what? I wouldn't use them. I do use them. And so I can't sit here and say, hey, don't be stupid and look at star rankings when you're like, except right. for your. 
You know what I mean? Right. Just understand the proper context. Know what this particular recruiting service values. Know what they put their emphasis on. Know what parts of the country they get. They have a very high accuracy rate on. Which parts they have a very low accuracy rate on. Which positions this particular outlet tends to nail. Which ones they tend to miss. What Mm -hmm. positions as an industry do we tend to miss the most on? Offensive line and quarterback Mm -hmm. are two that we miss on as an industry a lot. So keep that in mind. Uh, what are positions where three stars tend to have a higher rate of coming out of nowhere and being good? Much more so at some positions than other. You see a lot of former three-star and two-star kids coming out of nowhere at offensive line and at, and at, at wide time. receiver, yeah. right? You don't see it as much at defensive end and defensive tackle. You'll see it but not as much. Right. A lot of the high draft picks in the NFL are, are guys that were four-star or higher kids, right? So it's all part of the evaluation process. And if you don't understand the proper context, then you can misuse what is otherwise a, a good mm-hmm. resource. Sure. But it's also about using them all in context. Well, this kid has a really good offer list, but he's a consensus three-star recruit. Why? And then do some research as to why. Why has this kid got a great offer list? Well, there's one of two reasons. One is the recruiting services are off. Or two, and this circles back to the Bailey Brad's question, maybe a lot of these schools like this kid, but they like him as a depth player or a really good plan B as opposed to a dude. Sure. And so that's why the context of why a kid has certain offers is so important. Why a kid is ranked at a certain place is so important and you need to understand those things to really properly understand where a kid is ranked, why a kid has an offer, and those type of things. And then you also have to look at your own school when you're evaluating these things, too. This is a little different than the question and say, hey, what are the areas where our school that I root for has a tendency to turn these lower ranked kids into dudes? Right. And so when you see those offers go out of that position, you say, OK, I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt because he does this consistently. And he turns these guys into to really good players. Like Harry Heastan didn't take a lot of two-star kids and turn them into first-round picks. But a lot of those kids he turned into first-round picks weren't five-stars either. Right. You know, Quentin Nelson was a five-star according to rivals, but ESPN had him out of the top, out of the top 100. You know, Mike McGlinchey was a four-star kid, but he was like a 175 to 250 kind of guy by some. I think some had him as a three-star. Ronnie Stan was a top 200 kid, not a, not a five-star. Uh, Alex Bars was a top 100-ish ta- caliber kid. Sam Mustard was a four-star kid. Uh, Robert Hainsey was ranked super high. Liam Eikenberg was ranked super high by some, not by others. Right. I mean, so again, he wasn't taking three stars and turning them into studs in most instances, although there were some kids that way that he that sure. he to do that with. <clears throat> and so, you know, but, but was that, were those kids good because of the star ranking? No, they were good because they had the talent. And in that particular instance, the ranking services got it correct or, you know, whatever the case may be. And that's why I say you're not defined by your stars don't matter. They don't define a player. You're defined by your talent. And then the star ranking is accurate or not based on the ability of the people assigning it to identify that talent. And that's the whole point. But they're all film. Look at the film first. Look at star rankings with the proper context. Look at offers with the proper context. You know, like, for example, uh, Clemson just went down into Georgia and landed a big-time top 100 linebacker, Sammy Brown, big-time player. Oh, they beat Georgia for him. Did they, though? Mm And a Georgia offer, but Georgia wasn't really pushing for him the way Clemson was because, you know, the things that I've been told is that maybe he wasn't a great fit for what Georgia does. And there's other guys they like better. Okay. 
you got to understand that. He had a Georgia offer. Right. But was he a priority number one recruit for Georgia at that position? Maybe not. Still a great pickup for Clemson, though. Sure. Just because Georgia didn't seem as a fit in their defense doesn't mean he's not a great fit in Clemson's defense. And that's all part of it, Vince. And so I think if you can go into the, to looking at these things with the proper context, then I think that'll help you get a better idea of just what kind of player a guy is if you take them all together. And so I think Bradley Shaw is a really good football player. I just don't know if the if the fit is there as far right. as the, the projection is there. You know, does he him being a really good football player in high school project to him being a really good football player in college? That I don't know. Sure. And those are the questions that you have to ask yourself when you're looking at these things. So good question. Very good question. And then uh, uh, I, I do finally have an answer. Well, actually, um, Raymond Hart Horton says, uh, I don't have Twitter or Facebook. <laughs> I do know how to email. So I, I put your email in the chat, if you don't mind, since everybody kind of knows what yours is. And yeah, mine's really hard to hit find. Like, well, I'm, I'm a secret. Don't tell yeah. anyone. What well, RyanIrishBreakdown.com. Oh, yeah, no one's going to figure that out. Yeah, and not that mine's a big secret, but I figure let's – It's better better to do that and then yeah, i'll forward it to you absolutely yeah. so yes raymond we'll hook you up get you all yours is um yeah it's understandable why it's complicated too yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. So, yeah yeah it's like remember when we first uh remember when we first went over to, to um we launched irish break or it was irish maven yes it's like si.com forward slash college <laughs> forward slash their name and angela's like i got you so angela then went and got irishbreakdown.com and then just redirects it to the si site. It's like this is so much easier yes because when, when i go on the local radio show they'd be like what where can people find you and i'm like uh <laughs> just google my name yeah <laughs> Are you really want to give that web address so then when, when angela hooked me up uh, uh, with the the, the irishbreakdown.com one it made it so much easier yes so much easier yes <laughs> so zach martin thank you for the super chat zach very much appreciate it. got my credit card back who's your comp for prescott you know who my comp for prescott is honestly it is um it's connor williams if you remember connor williams from texas mm. uh similar body type six okay. five ish 270 Good athlete, but not an elite athlete. Strong kid, needed technical work. I think Connor Williams is a is a is a really good comp. I, I had a couple guys like a couple guys that kind of fit the mold. I was like, nah, it doesn't fit there. That guy was a lot bigger. Okay. Uh, you know this because this is what I try to do for comps, right? I want to find a guy with a somewhat similar body type, somewhat similar game, somewhat similar strengths and and weaknesses, but it doesn't have to be a direct for direct, right? And and it, it isn't a comp isn't to say this guy is going to be a right. first team all you know like when I compare CJ Carr to Joe Burrow, it's not meant to predict that CJ Carr is going to throw sixty touchdown passes and over five thousand yards as a senior. If he does great, but it's not that. It's not <laughs> right. that CJ Carr. It's his style of play and body sure. type and skills are similar to those that Joe Burrow possesses. You know, right. style of play wise, body type wise. It doesn't mean he necessarily has Joe Burrow's tools because nobody thought joe burrow was joe burrow coming out of high school uh he wouldn't have it's, transferred away from ohio state if they, right he I was mean, a top you know 200 some kind of guy top, right. you know what i mean and, and so uh, that's what comps are meant to be body type style of play right. things like that it's not a direct okay well connor williams is a small to your start multi-year starting nfl so this kid will although it could be in some instances but it's not designed to be that so i think connor williams from texas uh, is a really is a really good comp, and I try not to always find Notre Dame comps because it's not always clean. I'll use a Notre Dame comp if it makes sense and it's easy, sure. yeah, and it fits well. And so, to me, uh, 
like I, I think if I'm trying to, because I what I do, if if y'all haven't seen it yet, actually I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on this. I'm gonna put it on the site now, Vince. Actually, okay. Uh, I believe I have the commits board. I don't have Styles Prescott on there, but I do have Kedron Young on there. I'm pretty sure. Let me just go here. Yeah, and in the breakdown, I actually do because people keep asking for. It, I'm gonna put it in the chat here. Is my commits board? It doesn't rank the commits number one to whatever, but the uh, the the class. There's a, a bunch of links at the bottom. That'll take you to my offensive board and defensive board for commits. There, I actually rank them. Offensive commits, defensive commits. I rank their current grade and then their upside grade. So if you want rankings, you'll find those at the bottom of the link of the one I just put in. This one is just the profiles and the individual rankings for each player, but they also both have comps. And so on some of them, I have comps for certain players. Like Aeneas Williams, Like it's impossible for me to find a better comp than Kyron Williams. Right, and not because it's like a lazy. Oh, I'll just gotta pick a Notre Dame, Dame guy. Comp. Yeah. It just makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, right. It's just like it's hard to ignore that one. None of the other skill players that I have are Notre Dame comps. The only other offensive, comp, I, but then I get down the, to the offensive line, and the Tommy Kramer, Peter Jones comp is just too easy. Yeah, the Anthony Knapp, Jarrett Patterson comp is just too easy to go with a Notre Dame guy. So I, I do go there, but. You know, there's only three of the now ten offensive line uh, offensive commits that I that I have as 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 comps for former Notre Dame players. Uh, I'm trying to look at the defense. Uh, none on the defensive line are Notre Dame comps. None of the linebackers are Notre Dame comps. I think the only guy on def there's two guys on defense that I have as Notre Dame comps. I have Kennedy Erlacher with with Lohi Gilman, and then uh, Carson Hobbs and Devin Butler are my two Notre Dame comps. But so that's five out of nineteen kids or comps that are only Notre Dame kids. So I try to, I try to use others, but yeah, I think I think the Connor Williams one for me it makes a lot of sense. It's it's probably the most natural of the of the, of the four or five that I really thought about because I try to think about where they were in high school and then also where they were in college. So like Connor Williams put on a lot of weight. He got to like three fifteen. I actually think I mean I'll ask you this, Vince. You've seen the photos of him from his visits. You see him on film. I think this kid's one of those 270 to 310, 315 guys. Yeah. I think he's got the frame where he's going to really blow up when he gets caught. Like some guys are like, okay, he's 270, but, you know, like Emil Wagner, you looked at him and he's 270. You're like, ah, yeah, he's 270. I don't know if he can get to 290. It's a skinny dude. He was just what, yeah. rocks. Yeah, and he right. just rocks. Yes. And other kids are like, this kid's going to be – like when we saw Joe Wall, it's like, yeah, he's 240 now, but he's going to be over 300 pounds. And he, and he I didn't quickly. know he'd he get there so quick. He you know what's funny? Because – Whenever I think of how surprised me, I always think of Vince because so Joe Walt's freshman year, I wasn't able to go to practices because mm-hmm. I wasn't vaccinated. So Vince went to practices. And I remember you sent me the video after practice of just Joe Walt. Go, you're like, who is this guy? Isn't that what you asked me? Like, who is this? It guy? was during it was during uh, FSA. It was like at the beginning. Yeah. He yeah, was, was going was like, through stretch. I was just watching him stress like, what the heck is this guy? At? Yeah. Because <laughs> he looked he's like, he's huge, but he's so athletic. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, dude, that's Joe Walt. And I'm like, I was floored. I mean, to yeah. see this kid already 300 pounds, I thought he'd be 300. Like, like now he'd be entering 300 pounds. Right. And he's like, and he just is so athletic. So some guys just have that frame, Vince, where you just know they're going to blow up. And I think Styles is one of those guys. So that's another reason I compare him to Connor Williams because I do think he's going to be a 310 to 315 guy when it's all said and done. So I think that comp uh, really fits for me, Zach. Very good question. And I think I'd said the running back comp for, for Keedron, right, Vince? I, I said I said Javante Williams from North Carolina. Yeah. I did say that during the show. Okay. Yep. Good questions. Very good questions. 
All right, next up, Jordan says, what do you think makes Coach McCullough such an amazing coach and recruiter? What talent? What uh, What are the talents that he utilizes? Well, hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's honest. Relationships. Bu- those things are very key to building relationship events. Yep. I mean, it's like build. It's like a. It's like a. Uh, you and I. You've been married how many years now, Vince? Uh, Nineteen in August. Right. I, I'm. I'm 15, going on 16. It's not always easy. No. But there's two keys that I that I always tell young people. They ask me, you know, what are two keys to successful marriage? Work at it and be honest. Mm-hmm. Now, part of being honest is is being loving. You know, hey, you look really fat in those jeans. And that's not the kind of honesty we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's not but loving. Just, right. It's not loving. It's not being outward focused. But it, it's one of those things where it's, it's, uh, you know, so one, one bit of advice I gave to someone who, who was getting married on the message board, I said, look, the biggest key for me is I went through a lot of rough years in my marriage because it was always about what, she, what her presence meant for me. Right. And, and how what she did affected me. And when I finally learned what it meant to be a good husband and to be a godly husband was, no, 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 no. That's not the driving force of what you do. Your driving force is to look outward. What can I do for her? What, how am I treating her? How am I doing this? Whether she's giving it back to me or not doesn't matter. God doesn't call me to love on my wife if she deserves it. If she's being behaving, if she's doing good things to make me happy, it's no, you honor, love, and protect your wife because I said so and because she's your wife. And now that may seem jacked up, but when I started looking at it and then all my actions are designed towards what can I do to love my wife today? Not, okay, what can she do to make me want to love her? Our relationship took off and we're way healthier now, but it took a lot of work. It took a lot of honest communication and it it took a lot of, because the, and the the reason I say this about the marriage thing is because that's how you can build that, that reciprocal trust. Like this guy's not in it because of what I can do for him. He's in it because he wants to develop me and to be the best young man I can be. It's that outward focus. He wants to, he wants to treat me like a son. He wants to be honest with me. He wants to build me up. He's not afraid to tell me when I'm being a knucklehead or when I'm doing something wrong sure. because he cares about me. And some, if someone's not willing to tell you you're doing something wrong and, and, and hey, you're just you're fine the way you are, they don't love you. Mm-hmm. They don't because they're not willing to be honest with you. And that's what kids are looking for. And Coach McCullough is an honest dude. Now, he's not a blunt, jerky, honest guy, but kids, they can trust him. And he works at it. And he's also got a personality that I think people can connect with a little bit. If he wants you to connect with him, you get him in a press conference. He doesn't really care about what we think about him. (laughs) It's very obvious, but why should he? That's not what he's paid to do. He's paid to coach those young men and recruit these young boys and turn them into young men. And that's where his focus needs to be. I don't care if he's nice to me at a press conference. It doesn't means nothing. You know what I mean? Go do your job effectively yeah. And I'm going to have respect for you. I've never had a single conversation with Dylan McCullough. Not one. Don't care to because it just doesn't matter. He doesn't seem receptive to it. It is what it is. But you sit back and watch this guy coach, and you sit back and watch the way the players respond to him, and you sit back and you listen to how recruits respond to him. You're like, this is a guy that understands what, what – yeah. Yes. But, he un- but it's a guy that understands what being a coach is all about. 
it's not just about winning and losing. That's important. And if you're in it to not win and lose, you're also in it for the wrong reasons. Right, that's a problem. It needs to be both. Right. And I think Dela McCullough understands that. My job is to win. If I don't win, well, I'm fired. But I'm also not doing what I need to do as a as a man of God if I'm not also taking a lot of pride in the type of young men I'm developing. Right. And he seems to take a lot of pride in that, Vince. I agree. As a father, as a coach. And I think kids see that because – Young people nowadays, especially Vince, see through the bull BS oh, yeah. really well. Oh, they know yeah. when you're just telling them what you want to hear. They know because also it used to be back in the day, if you're recruiting a running back from Texas and a running back from New York, they're never going to meet until they get to campus. True. Now they're DMing each other as soon as they know that you're both recruiting each other. They're right. DM, hey, this is what coach told me. Oh, he told me the same thing. So I'm his number one and you're his number one. This dude's a liar. Right. You know what I mean? And and that's that was sort of the scenario that I kind of portrayed earlier, or something like that, where it's like, well, if he's going to tell this kid this, what's he going to tell me? He's telling that kid, and what's he going to tell me about my son? And when he basically was truthful and gave them both the same answers, like, yeah, this guy's legit. This guy's the real deal. Mm-hmm. I think those are the things. And and part of that, Vince, is part of being a good recruiter, but part of it is you just have to be that kind of person. Absolutely, you can't fake it. 24 seven. Right. If you're not that kind of person. And I think that's the thing that coach McCullough is good at. I think that's what makes Mike, Mike Mickens a good recruiter. Mike Mickens is just who he is. I mean, this is me. This is who, and it's easy to care about kids when you genuinely care about kids, right? It's, it's, or it's easy to make kids understand you care about them when you actually do. Right. It's a, it's a little harder when you don't give a crap, but I got to sell the, I got to sell it to get them here because I want to win. Kids see through that. A lot of kids see through that. Sometimes better than parents. To be honest oh with yeah. You. And so um, I just think it's that part of it is well, real, those parts of it to me are, are, are what really work for him. I, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of like this generation, you know that kind of a thing. But kids, <laughs> just be the kids, rest of the show. Well, kids are raised right now to not just accept whatever an adult tells them, for good mm-hmm. or bad. For good or bad. Like when we were kids, like the teachers were here, you know, adults were here, you were here and you did what they told you to do. And you didn't ask questions. Even if you didn't, well, even if you didn't like it. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like you were taught to do it. Yeah. yeah, It's a respect thing. It's a whatever, however you want to say it. Kids are, are this day and age, they will question you and they will be skeptical before anything else. They're going to be skeptical. And so in this case, that's a good thing. It's not always a good thing, but in this case, it's a good thing. So I, 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 I have noticed that across the board, kids are skeptical and they're not going to trust you right off the bat. You have to earn their trust um, and you can decide whether that's a good or bad thing, but you have to earn their trust. And in this regard, when we're talking about coach McCullough, he has earned the trust yeah. of these kids and these families. All right, let's get to some more good questions there on, on, uh, on that one. So, all right, here we go from, uh, Oh, salty Virginia salty. Peanuts, your boy. Our buddy Salty. How could or should ND best employ the Williams-Young tandem? We're already talking about how we're going to use class of 24 kids. Well, assuming that they're the two backs at some point in time. So let's right. say Jeremiah Love has gone off the NFL and he's number That's one like draft three pick. years from now we're talking about. Yeah. Or, you know, two, whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. For whatever reason, these are the one, two, the one, number one, number two in the depth chart. I think number one, the easiest way is, is there's a natural one, two, one guy's your starter. The other guy's your, your next guy in. So like we saw in past years with Sierra Wood and Jonas Gray, Theo Riddick and Sierra Wood, 
Josh Adams and and uh, and and CJ Prosites would not be a good example because it was one. There was really no two. And then when the one got hurt, the next guy goes in. I'm talking about more of the when you used them both together type of rotations. Right. Uh, last year was an example of that. We didn't really see that when Kyron Williams was here. We didn't. I mean, Brian Kessler, what do you use? Remember that when I remember I almost lost it when he was like, well, we use Chris Tyree as a change of pace or I mean to, to give Kyron a breather. I'm like, what the you're an idiot. Like I just, right. You know, you have multiple good backs. You use them. We saw that last year with the run game. And, and so I think you'll see something like that where, you know, Kedron is sort of your number one. He's your Audric. Mm-hmm. And then you bring, uh, uh, then he's part of a natural rotation where, you know, let's say he gets 60% of the carries of pure running back carries. And then Kyron, uh, Kyron, Aeneas would get 35 to 40%. And then maybe a third guy gets the other five if it's 35, right? right? 60, 35 to 40. If it's 35, another kid gets 5%. But if we're going to go one, two, but then there's also those times, Vince, where you're going to use them together. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm talking 60, 40, it's just a, you're the back. We're an 11 personnel, 12 personnel. There's one back. There's back in the game. But there's also, to me, going to be at least eight to 10 snaps a game where I'm in 20 or 21 personnel and I'm using them together and I'm getting Kyron some touches over here in the pass game. So, End of the year, you know, let's say that 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 um Kedron's got 65% of the carries, 60 to 65% of the carries, which is what we talked about with the, the breakup. And let's say Aeneas has 30 to 35, let's say 30, and then the other 10% are broken up of just carries. Well, okay, this guy's your lead back. But then you look at it and and Kedron has like 15 catches mostly on check downs and screens. And then Aeneas has 35, 40 catches. Yeah. And because you you had packages where you used them together. I could see that. I mean, honestly, Vince, I could see it. It's like, was it you I was talking about this with yesterday? I forget who it was. No, somebody else. It wasn't me. It's a, with Chris Tyree, you're almost in 21 personnel, even when you're in 11 personnel. I think it was actually yeah. Smitty I was talking about this with yesterday. And that's what's unique about having a guy like Chris Tyree in the slot is because you can do everything. You can line up with Chris Tyree and 11 personnel in a split back. And, and he's a threat to take an outside zone or inside zone or or jet sweep handoff. Yep. You have to respect that because he has running back skill. But then if you put him in a slot, he can do all the receiver stuff. Well, he's doing that now as a receiver. Aeneas is going to show up at Notre Dame with a far more advanced route running comp you know experience than Tyree had coming out of high school right so he can do that as a running back and so that adds a, a little bit to it as well where you can be in 21 personnel or 20 personnel and just like that line up and it looks like 11 or 10 because yes. of his skill set and I think that's when and you talked about this earlier Vince when you talk about complement that's a that's a Compliment is partly I want my one and my two backs to have different skill sets, so you have to prepare for different things. But the other part of compliment is I can use these two dudes together, and I think that's the part exactly. when you talked about complimenting earlier, Vince, that you were referring to is the ability yes. to use them together. Absolutely, 100%. That's what you want, in my opinion, because I, I want to put two backs on the field, and I want to get them in motion, and I want to put somebody in the slot, and I want to do I want to have two backs in the backfield, whatever, but I want them to complement each other. And I want them to be able to attack different parts of the field. I want them to attack the field in different ways. I mean, the the more options you have as an offensive coordinator, the better off you're going to be. I don't want two of the same guy. You know, I 
I don't. And unless, you know, I've got two Michael Jordans on the court at the same time. Okay. I'll find a way to make that work. Uh, but you know, from a running back standpoint and from a wide receiver standpoint, for example, I want guys with different skill sets so that I can stretch the field vertically. I can stretch the field horizontally. I can, you know, do things up the middle. I can do, you know, all the different things. I don't want the same guy. I want guys that are going to complement each other. Yeah. I think as a defensive coach, Vince, when I have two running backs that are running the same stuff, it doesn't matter who's in the game. I'm, exactly. I got to prepare for duo and inside zone encounter. Yep. yep. But when one guy comes in and all of a sudden he's running you know, G scheme and he's running pin and pull and he, I got to prepare for all that stuff Absolutely. and it's different. And you say, well, I know what this guy's going to do when he's in the game. That's fine. You know what they're going to do when they're either in the game, if you're Not just it. running these concepts, but now instead of having three or four concepts to prepare for, I got to prepare for eight. Yep. Now my receipt running backs only need to know four each for, for, you know, hypothetical. I'm just using an extreme example because right. they're going to know the same stuff, but your defense has to prepare for eight. Now you may say, Hey, when this guy's in the game, we're tendency to do this, but it's still a lot more that you have to prepare for. And you can't spend as much time mm-hmm. on handling the duo and inside zone encounter that I'm, you can't spend the amount of reps that you're going to need to do to stop Kedron Young doing that because you also have to prepare for the outside zones, the buck sweeps, sure. the G schemes, the jets that we're going to do with Kyron, uh, with Aeneas Williams in the game. And then when we're in our 21 personnel, because as you saw on film, if I'm a 21 personnel, even, or if, you know, let's say Kedron Young is on the field with, uh, with Chris Tyree, for example, I think we'll, we can see this from Aldrich Estime this year, but. All of a sudden, my jet action, my running back, means that I now have a lead blocker wearing number seven, or in this case with with uh, Kedron because he wears number three in high school. Number three is now my lead blocker, and so I'm handing a jet sweep off to a, a jet sweep off to Aeneas, and I've got him lead blocking out there. You got to prepare for that. You exactly. thought I was going to run duo up your face, but instead, I'm now running a jet sweep out the opposite direction, right? Because I've got this type of duo in the field together and if you want to stay in the box to handle all that that's fine i'm throwing rpos i'm throwing screens i'm mm-hmm. getting the ball to neas outside because it's hard to stop both of it at the same time and that's the problem that that kind of come when we in i would go off on this about receiver receivers in their name remember that vince there's like a two three appears like they're just running recruiting basically a bunch of cookie cutter receivers right and like every receiver had the same skill set it's like that's so much easier to prepare for then what you're going to have now where D- Tobias has a different skill set than Jaden Thomas, who has a different skill set to Chris Tyree, who has a different skill set from Deion Colsey. You know what I mean? It's like there's some diversity in Absolutely. skill here now. When you look at last year's class, Rico Flores and Jaden Thomas, Jaden Greathouse were somewhat similar. But even then, there were some differences where Jaden was more of a slot outside guy. Rico's more of a pure outside guy. And neither of them are like Braylon James. And none of those three are like Caleb Smith perfect combination right you know and and so i like those and by having a guy like aeneas now as 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 one of two backs there's not as much of a need for that caleb smith type of player at receiver in this class so that's why you pass on a jason robinson because you know who can give me that short really good route running aeneas can with kedron but it's because you get Kedron that now really ensures that you're good a receiver with the three you have now in this class. Because now you're like, well, who's your change of pace? Who's your shifty slot receiver in this class? It's, Gar- it's Aeneas Williams. Right, right. absolutely. Right? And so I, I, that's why a kid like, I love Kedron as the, Kedron to me is the best pure back in this class, easily. 
But having a guy like Aeneas Williams is so important. Sure. Because of the just it's like Vince, you've been an offensive coordinator. I've been a play caller before. When you have sort of that that toy that you can do so oh. much with, and or in your case, maybe you didn't have that guy, but the other team did, and you're thinking of what you would have done if you yes. had that kid on your team. You're just sitting there <laughs> dreaming I mean? about, okay, well, I would have done this and this, and you're not doing it right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I always felt that way when Antoine had David Perkins and Garrett Dieter. You're like, you're not taking advantage of what you have not even on close. that team. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, uh, good question. Uh, here's an interesting one from Jordan Schreiber. Do you ever get sick of eating out at Italian? Do you ever get sick eating out at Italian places or just Mexican? Uh, for me, it's only ever been Mexican. I, I've only gotten like really bad fo- food poisoning like maybe four times my entire life, including once my senior year of high school. And they were all either Taco Bell or salsas. So I got well, I got sick the other night, Vince. That's why I didn't go to, yeah. to uh, the Irish Invasion. Yeah, and it's because Angie and I ate at salsas the day before, oh, and it's really? hit or miss. Because you you know That's the food tastes great. You and Love I have it. been there before. Um, Love it. And I'll, I'll go back again, but it just Dude, every it now just, and then gets you wrong, huh? Just gets <laughs> me wrong, man. So I don't know if it's food poisoning per se, like I yeah. like it was bad food. It just it messes me up sometimes, and so. But yeah, I've never had that issue eating Italian ever. I could eat Italian every day and be just yeah. fine. And I'd be That'd make me very sad. heavier, but yeah. it would be amazing. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Matt Lee says, don't know if he has 4-3 speed or not, but Brian and Vince, wouldn't you say he pulls away from people in the open for a guy weighing 215 pounds plus? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he's 4-3 speed either. No, he's probably a 4-6. Yeah, but... Yeah. On film, he's running away from guys, mm-hmm. and he is outrunning uh, pursuit angles. I mean, he did that a bunch. There, I mean, guys are getting in a good pursuit angle, and he just outruns it, and that's that's good speed. I mean, he I wouldn't be surprised if he was a high four five, maybe four six guy, mm-hmm. uh, but he he can pick him up and put him down. I mean, there's no doubt about that for sure. And and the more impressive thing, Matt, in my opinion, from watching the film is not necessarily what his top speed is. It's how he goes from about five miles an hour to 30 miles an hour and the amount of time it takes to get there. Like, it's it's quick. He gets to top mm-hmm. speed very, very quickly, which allows him to pull away from guys because they can't get to that top speed as fast as he can. So it's not necessarily the top speed, but it's getting to the top speed mm-hmm. that I think is impressive with him. Because, you know, Vince, you watch the combine and they'll put those guys, they do that thing where they kind of impose four or five guys running a 40 together. Right. And like the 4-4 four, four guy beats the 4-6 guy, but it's like by that much. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? It's not that big right. of a gap. You right. know what I mean? And so it's not like if I'm a 4-4 four, four at 40 yards, I'm seven, eight yards ahead of you and you're a 4-6. So unless you have an angle on me, and, and a lot of grass, you may catch me by the time I get to the 10 and after 70 yards, but you're probably not catching me. Right. To your to your point, Vince. So, yeah, he, he's got this ability. But I think you nailed it. You nailed the part, Vince. It's he doesn't – he's not – like Will Fuller was a bit of an acceleration guy. Josh mm-hmm. Adams was an acceleration guy. Josh even more so than, than Will, meaning they needed some steps to get to full speed. I think the thing that you've pointed out during the film room perfectly right there, Vince, is for a running back, for a receiver, that's okay. Sure. For a running back, you prefer – give me a 4-6 guy that's 4-6 like that mm-hmm. over a 4-4-4-5 guy who's not really that until he gets to the second level. 
Right. Right. Cause he needs yep. that. He needs that room. I don't want the sprinter. If I'm looking for running back and I'm looking for a sprinter, right. I want the guy that's great out of the blocks as a running back. Absolutely. Give me the guy that's the, that wins at the end at receiver. Right. But give me the guy that's fast. I want the guy that gives me the best. You know, who, who's the guy leading after the first 10, 15 meters. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that I like at running back. Cause that start, because that's the difference between getting through the hole and getting a second level, or I'm getting tackled at five yards. Correct. That's the difference. Absolutely. And he showed multiple times on that yes. film how he just kind of burst through that second level, and then now he's at top speed, and he can run away from some guys. So, yeah, that 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 was what was the funnest part to watch uh, on that film. Yep. Yep, good one. Very good questions. Here's, uh, here's one, Vince, from Jordan Schreiber. It says, can you rank the running back classes from the last five years? I'm curious to see where you rank this talented duo. So the notebook. Let's do yeah, this. If we're, well, if we're going to do 24 as being part of it, it would be 24, 23, 22, 21, and 20, right? Correct. So 20, 20 was Tyree. 21 was Diggs and Estime, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, 22 would be Price and Payne. 23 was Love. And then 24, obviously, is Kedron and Aeneas. So... Obviously, you take out the 20 with Tyree and the 23 with Love because it's just, just one guy. Just one. Yeah, I agree. And then, it, see, then it gets a little bit tough because, well, I, I, you got to compare them as juniors, right? Because it's school. not yeah. fair to compare these guys to where see, other guys yeah. were as seniors. Sure. As juniors, I would probably put this group number one. Because they're both coming off of dominant seasons. I liked Jadarian Price a lot. Vince, you remember when we first watched, I've always yeah. been very high on Jared, but he took his game to another level as a senior. Mm-hmm. He was a top 150-ish, borderline top 100 guy as a as a junior, which means he's below where Kedron is. Jabron Payne as a junior was coming off of an ACL injury he suffered in the first game of the year. So, I mean, trying to put it in proper context – I would take that. Estime was good as a junior. His game went to a whole nother Agreed. level as a senior. Audrey, Logan Diggs, I liked a lot. I liked Logan a ton coming out. Vince, you know that, but he's more of a 150-ish guy. Sure. So as juniors, as juniors, this group, as far as the one-two punch, probably is the best one-two punch for me. Mm-hmm. Because Kedron's in the top 100 conversation like Jadarian Price was. I didn't. I don't think I had Logan – or Audric as top 100 guys coming out. They had an upside of four and a half stars, but I didn't have them as top 100 guys coming out. Um, but and, and uh, they were at least close. But Kedron sure. is uh, as junior is a, is ranked highest of all of them. Because even Jeremiah Love, I love Jeremiah Love's talent as a junior, but he wasn't a top 100. He was a top 100 guy on athleticism. He wasn't a nat as a natural running back as a junior. And then as a senior, he looked more natural as a running back, and he went from top 100 based on talent to top 50 based on talent plus game plus production and all of it. And so I would say this group right now, because of the injury to Jerome Payne, the question mark there, and the fact that Logan and Audric, especially Audric, really took off as a senior, I think this group yeah. right here is the best. Now, here's the thing. Again, Audric got a lot better. As a senior, I mean, he was averaging almost ten yards a carry. It's crazy. His against film was nuts. Bosco, you know, yeah. Bergen Catholic, the Hun School. I mean, against like really good, legit, 
legit jersey competition. Yeah. I mean, his, his senior year was just insane, insane uh, good. And so, you know, Kedra's going to have to get better, and Aeneas is going to have to get better. And then Logan had a great senior year as well. So, and, and where Jabron didn't have a very good senior year because of the injuries. So that's the thing that holds that Jadarian Price group down. Although you could argue that Jadarian's the best as a senior was the best of all of them uh, that they've seen so far of the two man classes. So that's where I'm at. That's a good question. But I had you had to get the pencil out, had to get the notepad out. You yeah, know, absolutely got to do it right. Yeah. So I, 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 as juniors, I'd put this group. But again, keep in mind. In a couple of those classes, a couple of those guys had monster senior mm-hmm. seasons, and we'll see if if he's going to if the, either one of these two kids is going to do that. But I think it's the two is better in this class than all the others, and I think that's the thing that sets it sets it apart, in my view, because Jadarian Price and Kedron Young are very similar in ranking as juniors, very similar. It's the number two is way better, yeah, right now. Because again, not that Jabron wasn't talented. I had Jabron Payne as a four star player after his sophomore year. He was very good. Average another guy that averaged almost ten yards a carry in Cincinnati as a junior. So I had like seventy carries for seven hundred yards somewhere around there. Like that's really good in that area. Right. And he's he's playing against the best schools in the Cincinnati area. But then he just he played one game and got hurt as a sophomore junior, and then had like two hundred eighty yards rushing as a senior. So it's hard to compare. It's hard to compare that one. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.